0: this morning of Hebrews 11 and we're continuing our way down through the text of chapter 11 talking about how the accent in chapter 11 really rests upon God and upon his faithfulness that proved itself out through the lives of these various saints. So in a sense he again in chapter 10 the apostle is addressing your particular need of endurance uh, difficulty that has set in in the first century context in uh, n- most likely urban setting of Rome in house churches, and there is a persecution setting in and unrest, and there is uh, falling away of many, and he has addressed that um, through the warning passages this point. And he looks at the church and he says to them, indeed, you you know the testimony of those who have already left, of brothers and sisters you've invested in, of people that you know now are walking contrary to their confession. And as you look out and know of those testimonies, it certainly does affect you. And so he's trying to encourage them. You have a need. You have a need of endurance to keep going. And when burden sets in and difficulty, then he brings this hall of witnesses. In other words, God is going to prove himself out to be trustworthy. He's going to. I think, you know, I'm looking at life, though, in, in, as it's coming at me in the context within which I am facing whatever those particular difficulties are to you, to your family, uh, however that's facing you in your personal life. And there were difficulties here in this text. So the bridge is being built between you and the text. And he is suggesting, keep your faith anchored in the object who is God. Keep, keep it anchored in God. He will prove to be trustworthy. F- like, for instance, and then he gives us this great hall of witness to the trustworthiness of God. And then and he begins, Abel, and, and, he, and, he, and he touches on Abel, and then he calls to witness Enoch, Enoch. And God's faithfulness and what He showed all of us through the life of Enoch. And then He addresses Noah and says, Certainly, as we looked last week, weren't there difficulties surrounding Noah? Well, yeah. And there's difficulties surrounding you. And the common denominator is your shared faith in God. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there you have it, what he did in his people of old, he continues to do and will always continue to do in his people today. He is trustworthy. Noah banked on that. And so can you. This is what he's trying to encourage you with in your need of endurance. This morning we move past Noah and it has been read for you, we move into Abraham as a witness to the Trustworthiness, the faithfulness of God. Abraham's faith throughout Scripture is, is is portrayed as an obedient faith, one who acted out in obedience, a man of uh, of great obedience. Again and again and again is the portrait of Abraham's faith. Whether you go to Paul, uh, the apostle in the New Testament, you consider Abraham is, is a thorough portion of his subject matter, dealing with the faith of Abraham. And again, Abraham and the covenant of grace, and you today as heirs of that very same covenant, heirs of that very same promise, and you consider Abraham as he speaks of Abraham, an obedient faith. Paul in Romans, Paul again in Galatians, this picture of or portrait of Abraham's obedient faith. Then Jesus in the Gospels, as he is in a bit of a battle with the Pharisees. And do you remember those battles took place over whose offspring they were or to whom they belonged. Hey, Abraham is our father, as Jesus interacting with them. And Abraham remi- or Jesus reminds them, you are not Abraham's children. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, no, you're not. Now, you're like, in one way, yes, they were, right? You're, you're thinking genetically, well, Christ is speaking spiritually. Not all Israel belongs to Israel. What's the distinction? I, I am Abraham's child. I, we are children of Abraham. He says, no, you're not, because if you were Abraham's children, or if Abraham were your father, again, the portrait of Abraham's faith, an obedient faith. Jesus says, "You would be doing what Abraham did." Abraham's faith, a consistent portrait of Abraham, is an obedient faith. I want to encourage you, perhaps whatever regardless of the context, not knowing each and every individual narrative that's in the room. Perhaps it is. We have gathered on the Lord's day for worship to hear from the word of the Lord. And maybe it is that each of us in varying degrees and kinds and contexts and challenges have a need for endurance. So, let's learn of Abraham and God's work in Abraham and that utter trustworthiness that God is in and of Himself, that He will also prove that to be to us in our need of endurance. I want to go about tackling this text of verses 8 through 10 the same way we did last week with the same rough structure. If you weren't here last week, I guess you're just going to be completely lost. It's a joke. You won't be. I'm going to explain. One, we'll consider the portrait, the biblical portrait of Abraham's faith. What is it? There's two little pieces in there somewhere we'll, we'll plug in. The main structure is the portrait, the biblical portrait of Abraham's faith. I want to I kind of mine that out a little bit, and I think it's, it's necessary from the text. Secondly, we'll consider the content of Abraham's faith. And again, this is going to be to you, to me, to each of us as we examine this through the text, this, this need we have of endurance, how this will, this will feed our faith in endurance. The content, secondly, of Abraham's faith, and the third portion is that same again with whether we're dealing with Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, you. This this portrait of faith. What is your mark of faith? The content of your faith. What is its object? And then finally, the third portion that we'll tackle this morning is the reward. Abraham's reward uh, by faith. What are they? So. If I could jump right in uh, to the first portion of how we'll tackle this text, if you have the text open there in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we'll begin there with verse 8, considering the portrait of Abraham's faith. Let's just, let's jump in and let's see what is this biblical portrait of Abraham's faith as indeed an obedient faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed. When he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, right? You, you already see? He, he, he was told to go, and he went, by the way, not knowing where he was going. If you would now join with me as this consideration of Abraham, what we have a picture so far of Abraham is he heard, hey, Abraham, go, and the response so far in the portrait of Abraham is, and he went. That's pretty straightforward, right? So if you would join with me, I want to consider Abraham's call and his obedient response to God's call two related but separate ways. Go with me back to Genesis 12 if you would, just briefly so we can see it. You've probably read this text before, but just so you can see it in real time this morning as we consider the biblical portrait of Abraham's faith. This is what the apostle is driving our attention to as this call to Abraham. I want to consider the call in two ways. One, Abraham's obedience to God's effectual call, and I'll describe that. And then Abraham's obedience to God's ongoing purposes. Consider Abraham's obedience to God's effectual call. This is what I just read for you. As you now have arrived, probably in Genesis 12. Let me read verse 8 of Hebrews yet again and then join you again in Genesis 12. This is what he's speaking about in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive his inheritance. And he did not know, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Insert Genesis 12 for filling out what maybe we are not aware of, of what he's driving on in Hebrews 11 verse 8. Genesis 12 verse 1. Okay, so right at the end of chapter 11, the genealogy of Abraham's descendants has just concluded. So we don't really have any insert of Abraham to this point. And this is how Abraham's narrative begins. And my I suggest to you, each and every one of you, whose object of your faith is Christ the Lord. The object of your faith is Christ. You're firmly grounded in Him. Abraham will serve as a sense of Christian spiritual biography. In other words, as you consider Abraham's narrative... Consider your own. Let me explain by the text. At the end of the genealogy there in verse 11, notice how the text picks up. Now, the Lord said to Abram. There it is. Do you notice that? A total beginning with, with this man, Abram. That becomes this, this great example of obedient faith. Notice how he comes to know God. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred, from your father's house to the land that I will show you, verse 2, and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This, just, this word of the Lord comes to Abram. God speaks to the man Abram. If I could fill out the context for you as you consider what just happened in Genesis 12.1. What just happened with Abram. At this point in the text, it's most likely that Abram is about 75 years old. Living in the land of Ur. That is, in the house of his father's. What was Abram doing at this point when the word of the Lord appeared to Abram and said, Abram, I'm going to make from you an entire nation of people. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to cause you to inherit the world. When that word came to Abram, what was he doing? Worshipping the God of his fathers. He was a pagan. The word of the Lord came to Abram, similar to that of Noah. You remember in Genesis 6, here is Noah. We were reading the narrative last week and we see that the, word, that the intent of man's heart is wicked, continuously wicked, and God is grieved over what men have done to the earth. But Noah found favor. Here it is also, With the man Abram, a genealogy finishes and concludes, and then it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Insert the effectual call of God upon the life of Abram. I said this serves as a spiritual Christian biography to each of us. The word of the Lord is addressed to you, it comes and it creates. It performs. That what God does speak, so also does he perform. And Abram is saved by the grace of God. That is, here in the same sequence as Noah, Noah, Abram, a man of Mesopotamia, distinctly and savingly experiences the grace of God. This is what we mean by Abraham's obedience of faith to God's effectual call. He heard this effectual call. What do I mean by effectual call? What we essentially mean in that is the word of the Lord goes forward. The gospel goes forward. And by the power of the Spirit, it ensures a positive response. The word goes out, boom! There is life there that was not there prior to it. Paul describes this same event this same event that we just looked at in Genesis 12, he describes in Romans 4. And the way that he speaks of Abram there as this man of obedient faith in the effectual call of God. The word goes out, now the Lord said to Abram, what? Stop worshiping the gods of your fathers. I am the Lord. And Abram has life. Romans 4 describes it as Paul speaks back on this event and he says, And this is the promise that came by faith that God calls into the darkness and creates light. God gives life where there was prior death. It is an effectual work when the word of the Lord does come by the power of the Spirit. A life is changed. Life is born. This is the picture of God's effectual call. As I said, this is serving us in a way of looking into Christian spiritual biography. Did it just come to Noah in a particularly forceful way, in a way that it no longer operates, or it was highly unique, therefore it is not the way in which God uses and proclaims the gospel and causes life to be born? No. We see it yet again in Abraham, and we see it in all who share, Paul says, in the faith of Abraham This is how life is created, through the hearing of the gospel, the effectual call of God on the heart. There was darkness, the word does come, and there is light. This is the mark of the beginning of Abraham's faith. This is the mark in the beginning of your faith, where God said, let there be light. What is the result? What 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 is the result? If we were to follow the narrative, so Abram gets up off his knees. Let's picture Abram there worshiping the the gods of his fathers, and he gets up off his knees, and now he has recognized: here is the true God, the one who has just spoke to me. This wonderful promise of this covenant in Genesis 12, 1 through three. What is the result of Abraham's newfound life in obedience to that call of God upon him? What is the result of such obedience? If we were to follow the narrative, there we were in Genesis 12, we would continue to go to 13, 14, and 15, and right around in 15, again, we would pick up with the result or the pronouncement upon Abram for such obedience. What is that pronouncement? It is a pronouncement of righteousness. Let me read for you the text, the result of Abraham's obedient faith to God's effectual call. Through the gospel. It is Genesis 15:6, reads this way. Perhaps you have heard it read before. Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed the Lord. There it is. He believed. He heard it. He was persuaded by it, and he did trust in it. You're gonna do what you have just announced to me. I believe in you. And Genesis 15:6 records: Abraham believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. As I have said a couple of times to this point, this picture of what we see in Abram as this hall of witnesses to the faithfulness of God is called in Hebrews 11 is a picture of Christian spiritual biography. This is, to those of you who have trusted, who who the object of your faith, like Abram, is God, this is how it has come about. God working through His Word in your heart and life to give life, to cause birth. And that faith, that vessel of faith is firmly planted in Him. And that pronouncement from Him is righteousness. We call that imputed righteousness. Because was it Abraham's own righteousness? No. It was reckoned to him. That is, the righteousness of Christ. Considering Christian biography, do you stand today on your own righteousness? Let's all hope not. For we look at Christ and we recognize that he died even for our good works. And our bad ones. Our sole source of righteousness is the imputation of Christ's righteousness, and that comes by faith. This is what we see in Abraham, an obedient faith to, first, the effectual call, Hey, Abraham, get up. He's up. This is the mark of his obedient faith. That's the mark of yours. Consider, second, the, n- the next piece. is We're looking at the biblical portrait of Abraham's faith. It was an obedient faith to the effectual call. God ensured a positive response. Boom, life was given. Romans 4. And the second aspect of Abraham's obedience of faith is that of his obedience to God's ongoing purposes. If you'll go with me back to Hebrews 11, maybe you stayed there. I'll join with you then. Hebrews Uh, Chapter 11, verse 9 is the second portion of, again, Christian biography, an encouragement to God's faithfulness to you of what He began in you, so surely will He see it to pass. Abraham's obedience is obedience to God's ongoing purposes. So beyond the effectual call, but God's ongoing call, His ongoing purposes. Look at verse 9 there, if you're still there in Hebrews 11, verse 9. By faith, this is the life of Abraham, marked by an obedient faith. This is his portrait. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, right? We just read it in, in Genesis 12one i I'm giving you a land. Well, then verse 9, by faith he went to live in that land, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, that of a covenant that God was giving to Abraham. What we see in that portrait, if we were able to consider what Abram went through, so you, if, you were, if you had time, perhaps later this afternoon, you can consider, jump, jump back into Genesis 12, really to mind this out, what it meant for Abram to get up and go. And from chapter 12 into 13, 14, and 15, and the drama that does befold Abraham, we find out, and we would summarize it this way, Abraham's obedience of faith. Right? It begun, his life begun by faith and it endured by faith. Abraham's obedience of faith remained, remained Christian biography. It remained unreservedly committed to God's ongoing purposes through clearly. Difficult circumstance with great immediate cost to himself. Let me read for you verse 9 again. By faith he went to live in a land of promise. Now consider the description as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of that same promise. What do we gather from that? The obedience of faith for Abraham. He was committed to God's ongoing purposes unreservedly, though it was at great immediate cost to himself. Christian biography. Does God's effectual call That which we say we are anchored deeply in Christ, is it finding further expression? Is the the power of Christ in us finding further expression in lives of obedience? Is it? So we look at Abraham and we say, God laid hold of Abraham's life. God laid hold of mine. I witness in the life of Abraham as God's faithful to him, he'll be faithful to me. I recognize that faithfulness of God to Abraham found expression in Abraham's life in a life of committed obedience. Abram believed and obeyed. Abraham believed and had life and followed through living. Christian biography. You have a need of endurance. Look at what God did in Abraham. Look at what God has done in you. Look what, how, how Abram continued, unreservedly committed to God's ongoing purposes in his life. Consider your own. This is the exhortation from the text. One author comments this way. If I could read his comment to you. The one secret of life and development. I don't know if I would call it the secret. It's pretty obvious. Nonetheless, the one secret of life and development, this is great, is not to devise and plan. You're like, yes, it is. It has to be. Consider the biblical portrait of Abraham's faith. The one secret of life's development is not to devise and plan, but to do every moment's duty aright as they come at you in little moments. And then he continues, and let come not what will, for there is no such thing, but what God has willed for each of us, has intended in each of us from the very first. That's the secret to a life well lived by faith considering each moment on its own and God's trustworthiness in that moment. That's the biblical portrait of Abram's obedient faith. The second portion I want to consider with you this morning is the content then of Abram's faith, and it's pretty straightforward. The content of Abram's faith, again, in the sense of Christian spiritual biography, The content of Abram's faith, what else could it be? The content that goes into the mind, the word of God. The content that his faith is feasting on is the word of God. And whether we're considering, uh, well, let's just look at verse 9 quickly. By faith, he went to live in the land of promises, in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the exact same promise. He acted, it found expression in obedience, because the object, or rather the content of his faith, was the word of God. Whether we're considering Noah last week, or we're looking at Abraham, or we're going to look at Sarah in the following week, consistent you will find in this hall of witnesses, consistent among the people of God, each and every witness hears, is persuaded by, and trusts in the Word of God. Again, what we're doing in here, hearing from the word of the Lord, is a significant piece to our endurance. How did did the saints of old endure? They heard, were persuaded by, and did trust in that word that did come to them. Our times gathering, being a people of God, gathering around God's word, this is a significant contribution A means to our enduring is hearing this essential word. Each and every witness, there isn't one that kind of made it around and found himself enduring, having not heard, having not been persuaded by, and having not trusted in the word of God. Every witness in the hall of witnesses did hear, that is intellectually being made aware, there's that knowledge, and was persuaded by, did assent, was moved by, and did bank on or trust in that word that came to them. This is how the people of God endure by faith, is hearing the word of the Lord. Consider as we did with Noah last week, I think we'll pause here just for a brief moment because you have to note, you have to consider as the text is displaying it, how difficult it really was on Abram. You, you know, again, doing each duty aright, every moment, as it's coming at him in million little moments, each and every challenge it's coming at him. How really difficult was it? Because, again, uh, what we say, we can be a bit revisionist in our Bible reading. You know, maybe I, I'm talking to you this morning and you're considering, well, you know, Abram, we all know who Abraham was. I mean, you know, it's Abraham. So that kind of, again, that revisionist reading or putting on those glasses, we can read it with like, well, it made sense for him to follow. I mean, look at how the promises worked out. You know, Paul says in Romans 4, he's inherited the entire world. Look at us. We're all heirs according to that same promise. So, I mean, it was kind of easy for Abraham. We we, we can tend to read it that way, and maybe not purposely so, but when we're reading it that way, it's like, well, things are going to work out, Abraham, just hang in there. You probably had a real good sense that they were going to work out. And we can read it that way instead of appreciating or noting carefully how the text is encouraging us. He had challenges, significant challenges. Noah had significant challenges for a need of endurance. So don't detach yourself and say, mine are altogether unique. No, they're not. Abram had significant challenges to seeing that promise occur. And he had a need of endurance. Consider some of them described in the text. You'll see them there. Just don't gloss over them. Take a moment just to consider the several descriptions that show us just how difficult it was for Abram. Starting in the second portion of verse 8, so he obeyed, so he was told to go. He got up and he was leaving to a land that he was to inherit. Pick up with, and he went out. There it is. There's a description of the difficulty that Abram was facing. Have you taken time to consider your own journey with the Lord? Here is Abram, not knowing where he was going. Okay, great. Don't gloss over it like, well, okay, not knowing where he was going, and then it all turned out, and look at us all now. Wait, 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 slow down. Consider it. He got up and he went out. What's he doing? Well, so far we know what challenge stood before him was he didn't know where he was going. That is a challenge. Especially to all of us control freaks. That's a challenge. Not knowing where you're going. Not knowing your plan and how to devise it and how to work your plan and plan your work. Wait a minute, how does this go? It goes by faith. What is my faith feasting on? How can I keep it going? The word of the Lord. It's the same with Abram. Same with you. He did not have like you know, the yellow brick road. There were challenges, significant ones, to a very real human being. The second description there, again, as you see in the text, verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise. Have you considered that as it was spoken to him, yet, however, there was not exactly a spot as he gathered his tent and left on an ancient map that said promised land? Exactly right here. Promise marks the spot. There was a challenge for Abram, not knowing where he was going exactly, precisely, but handling each moment on its own by faith. There were significant challenges to Abram's faith, as there are also to yours, to not minimize the present. The challenges you face, they are significant, spiritual, physical, physical. Financial, they're, they're legitimate. Consider the text that your faith might feast upon this word from the Lord. Gazing into the life of God's, God's faithfulness in the life of Abraham, consider the final one there in a brief little description of the challenges that faced Abram in verse 9. By faith he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. Again, Though Abram, this is one of those things, um, we've discussed it a few times along the way, maybe you've picked up on it in other reading as well, is again, this aspect, here we see it in Abram even, this already not yet aspect of faith, right? Abram's living in a foreign land, but he possesses that land by faith. That's Abram's land, that's Abraham's land with God's people. It's their inheritance, but he lived in it during that time as a foreigner. The Canaanites controlled it, but Abraham owned it. The burden there of the already not yet experience of the believer's faith. You're already a new creation creature. You belong to the age that is to come, yet you don't possess it in its fullness now. You live as in a foreign land or pilgrims on the way. So we see the same biblical portrait of Abram, a tension between the times. This is my inheritance, but I live here as a foreigner in a foreign land, living in a tent. So I ask you this question about Abraham's obedient faith. What then, considering these difficulties, not minimizing them, not minimizing yours, but asking of all of the difficulty, what empowered Abraham's obedience? obedience of faith? What empowered it? What was its source that kept fueling it? What empowered Abraham's obedience of faith in such trying circumstances, a lack of clarity or a confused reality? Hopefully you're able to answer that because you're saying of yourself the same thing that fuels mine. I'll read the question one more time, because you already know the answer, but then I'm just going to repeat the answer you're already telling me in your mind. The question is, what empowered Abraham's obedience of faith in such trying circumstances, lack of clarity, or a confused reality? This is what I see, this is what I've heard, but this is what I see. What empowered him? The answer is this. The object of his faith was not an outcome. Not even in a land. The sole object of Abraham's faith was God. Who is trustworthy. That's what empowered him. Because outcomes, remember, we've been looking at this back and forth. Same with Noah. What, what, what gives you that strength? What is that, 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 that intestinal fortitude, that, that strength that drives? How do you keep it going when you're facing a confused reality? I heard that this was going to occur. What I'm looking at is all of this. Does that make sense to you? I thought my life was going to be, and what I'm experiencing is, what keeps you going? Well, when circumstances get better, I get fired up. When circumstances collapse, I get brought real low. I get brought so low, I might just quit. Oh, well, then you have a need of endurance. How can I endure? Change the object of your faith from circumstance to God. Circumstances change. God does not. Circumstances are not trustworthy. They are fragile. God is not. So though Abraham was living as a foreigner in a foreign land, I'm seeing this, but I was told this. Was he defeated? No. Because the object of his faith did not rest. He was not anchored in this land turning around for me. It was anchored in God. Despite circumstances, that word from him, will prove trustworthy. Let me read for you just briefly. There's an excellent picture of how this tends to work in our lives. I must read it because it's done by Tim Keller in a way that only Tim Keller does. Let me read for you. An excellent picture of exactly this situation. It's entitled, Following the Thread. Consider your life, consider Abraham in light of this context. Following the Thread. Perhaps this will sync up with you. About 150 years ago, George MacDonald wrote a children's book called The Princess and the Goblin. Perhaps some of you have read it. Irene, the protagonist, is eight years old. She has found an attic room in her house, and every so often her fairy godmother appears there. When Irene goes to look for her, she's often not there. So one day her grandmother gives her a ring with a thread tied to it, leading to a little ball of thread. She explains that she'll keep the ball. Grandma is keeping the ball. But I can't see it, says Irene. No, The thread is too fine for you to see it. You can only feel it. With this reassurance, Irene tests the thread. Now listen, says the grandmother. If ever you find yourself in any danger, you must take off your ring and put it under your pillow. Then you must lay your forefinger upon the thread and follow the thread wherever it leads you. Oh, how delightful. It will lead me to you, grandmother, I know. Yes, said the grandmother, but remember, it may seem to take you a very roundabout way indeed, and you must not doubt the thread. Of one thing you may be sure, that while you hold on to the thread, I hold on to it too. A few days later, Irene was in bed, and goblins got into her house. She hears them snarling out of the hallway, but she has the presence of mind to take off her ring and put it under her pillow, and she begins to feel the thread, knowing that it's going to take her to her grandmother and to safety, but to her dismay, it takes her outside. She realizes that it's taking her right toward the cave of the goblins, inside the cave, The thread leads her up to a great heap of stones, a dead end. The thought struck her that at least she could follow the thread backwards and thus get out and get to safety, but the instant she tried to feel it backwards, it vanished from her touch. The grandmother's thread only worked forward, but forward it led into a heap of stones Irene bursts into wailing cry. She was lost. It's over. But after crying, she realizes that the only way to follow the threat is to tear down this wall of stones. She begins tearing it down stone by stone. Though her fingers are soon bleeding, she pulls and pulls. Suddenly, she hears a voice. It is her friend, Curdy. Curtie has been trapped in the goblin's cave. Curdy is astounded and asks, "Why, however, did you ever come here?" Irene replies, "That her grandmother sent her, and I think I've found out why." After Irene has followed the thread and removed enough rocks to create an opening, Curdy starts to climb up, out of the cave. But Irene keeps going deeper. Into the cave, Curdy objects, where are you going? Why would you go down there? That's not the way out. That's why I couldn't get out. I know that, says Irene. But this is the way that my thread goes, and I must follow it. And indeed, the thread proves trustworthy because her grandmother is trustworthy. This is the portrait of biblical faith. Do you see what he's doing there? You're pulling this thread, but it is taking you around about ways. You're following what you perceive to be the word from the Lord, his will for your life, and it's taking you in different and difficult directions. But just as you continue to follow, the thread true proves to be true. Why? Why is it going to be all right? Because grandmother, in this picture, or as we would say, certainly, God Himself, proves to be utterly trustworthy. So it is with Abraham, verse 10, our final comment of the morning is this, Abraham's reward proved to be God's trustworthiness. Verse 10, for Abraham was looking forward. Right? It doesn't work to look backward. It doesn't work to go in reverse. For Abram was looking forward to the city that has foundations. He's looking out and he's seeing all the Canaanites. But he looked forward to see the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Abram's reward. For following the thread forward is the eternal city built by God. A place not built by Canaanite kings, but by God himself. If I could encourage you this morning. Indeed, the thread seems to go in difficult and trying directions. Providence that unfolds, decisions that we make seem to trip us up. Or perhaps, as Irene found out, you're at the top and it seems the thread is taking you directly into the goblin's cave. Providence is difficult. We get tripped up. We run to a rock pile where we don't know how we're going to get through, how we're going to go around, what are we going to do? And we find out the thread goes right through it. What will feed your faith in such trying circumstances? What? Not the circumstances themselves, but God, who is above circumstance, proves Himself utterly trustworthy. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that You would strengthen us in our faith, that as we hear the word of the Lord, that as we gaze upon your trustworthiness to Abraham, that we would receive that is for us, that that life that you began in us will be completed in us because you will be trustworthy. Let our lives be filled with grateful obedience Though the way is difficult and trying in our providence, though we make a mess of things, we can rest in Christ. So, Lord, prove to be a high tower and a refuge to our weak and weary faith. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.